Well, friends, good morning. Uh, if you've just joined us, uh, firstly, my name's Phil. <laughs> Lovely to meet you. Um, normally, our bread and butter here is to preach through books of the Bible, book by book, section by section, verse by verse. Uh, we make that our habit because we want to let God set the agenda for what we teach here. Um, otherwise, what happens is I teach the things that I like and I sort of avoid the things that I don't like. But God has good news for us in his word, and so we're going to let him set the agenda. Uh, That's what we do normally. We're returning to that next week. We're going to kick off, or we're going to continue on in the book of Genesis, where we left off last year. Uh, But for the past three weeks, we've been doing this topical series. We're looking at topics that are sort of relevant to us. And at the beginning of a new year, it's a helpful time to recalibrate, isn't it? To think about what it is that you're actually living for this year. Because we want our priorities, our goals, our habits to be what God would have us pursue. And so we're looking at the topic of satisfaction, what it is that we're looking to for satisfaction in our life and hoping to see that, well, Jesus actually satisfies us in a way that nothing else can. And so this week we're looking at the topic of comfort. And seeing how comfort is a thing that we long for, a good thing, uh, but if we let that take priority over Jesus, but we actually lose out. And so we're considering the topic of comfort. Keep your Bibles open to Luke chapter 9. If you grab the handout, normally we'd have an outline on the back. I've got something different. I'll come to that later, so don't freak out. They're not my points for the sermon. But the more I talk to people uh, who have been around on this planet longer than I have... The more I see that right now, we live in one of the most comfortable times, in one of the most comfortable places in history, right? That life in Australia today is comfortable. We're safe, we're free, we're generally wealthy, we're generally healthy. There's a reason that Australia Day, this week is a day worth celebrating. Life here is good. It's comfortable. And it's, it's quite remarkable just how comfortable our lives have become. If you're young, this is just normal. If you're older, you go, wow, things have really changed. See, right now, if you're hungry, you just open your fridge. And if that fridge is empty, you can just toll off down to the supermarket and find basically anything you could want. And you don't have to plant it, you don't have to harvest it, you don't have to kill it or pluck it. If you're really lazy, you don't even have to cook it, you can just pay someone else to do that for you. Life is comfortable. If you want to go somewhere, you just jump in your car and you go there. If you want entertainment, you just stream it from the internet. If you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable as you watch said streamed service on your TV, well, you can just adjust the temperature with your air conditioning to exactly the way you like it. And if while sitting on your couch in your air-conditioned comfort, watching Netflix, eating pizza, and you somehow spill some food on yourself, you have a machine that will take care of that for you. And while it seems hard to imagine, if somehow you do become uncomfortable in this situation, in any way... Well, you have ready access to doctors and surgeons and painkillers who can deal with that for you. It's quite astounding how comfortable our life really is, isn't it? Now, you might see this as a wonderful thing, a triumph of human society. You might look at it and see the drawbacks. There are some. 
But if we're honest, most of us aren't trying to return back to the dark ages where the average life expectancy was 35. That's not what most of us want. Most of us enjoy being comfortable. We enjoy it so much that when you stop and think for a second, you realise that almost all of the decisions that you make are motivated by the pursuit of comfort. Think about it. What you eat, what you wear, who you spend your time with, it's almost entirely decided by what you feel like doing. If you're a kid at school and you're picking subjects, chances are you're going to pick a subject that you enjoy and failing that, you're going to pick the subject that requires the least amount of effort, right? Because comfort is your goal. If you're looking for a job, well, chances are you will be enticed by a job that offers more money for less work because you enjoy comfort. We spend our working lives saving up money to make sure that we have enough to have a miserable and anxious retirement. No, no, that is not what you do. You make sure you have enough for a comfortable retirement. And friends, even your relationships are governed by the goal of comfort. Because you make friends with people that you like spending time with. You make friends with the people who agree with you, not necessarily the people who challenge you. We marry a person who makes us feel good about ourselves. We love the people that make us look good and feel good. We avoid the people that make us uncomfortable. You see, our whole world, and unless we are very, very actively resistant to this, our lives as well are governed by comfort. And here's the thing. If this world is all there is, it makes complete sense. If all you have to live for is these 80-odd years on this planet, it makes complete sense to eat, drink, and be merry. Because what else is there? If this earth is ultimate then absolutely you should be doing everything within your power to maximise your pleasure and minimise your pain. Why wouldn't you do that? But what if there's more to life than here and now? What if you were made for more than 80-odd years on this earth? What if life is about something infinitely better than maximising pleasure and minimising pain? What if pursuing comfort actually leads you away from the very thing that life is all about? Well, friends, this morning, it's my hope that you'll leave here feeling completely unsatisfied with earthly comfort. Not because it's bad, not because it's wrong to enjoy pleasurable things in this life. But I want you to be completely dissatisfied with comfort, comfort, Because you see how completely satisfying Jesus is. That's my goal. I want you to see that the pinnacle of luxury in this world is like boiled rice compared to the all-you-can-eat steak dinner that is knowing Jesus. Ultimately, I want you to be able to leave this place and say, I could be rich, I could be poor, I could be comfortable, I could be uncomfortable, and it doesn't matter because I have Christ. That's my goal for you this morning. That's my goal for me this morning. I need to hear these words too. But it's a bold claim, isn't it? It's a big call to make. And we're only ever going to be able to make it if God transforms our hearts to love 
what is good. And so I'm going to pray right now that God would do that. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you show us in your word what is good for us, what your plans and desires are for us. So Lord, we ask now that you would transform us by your word. Show us the goodness of knowing your son, Jesus, and enable enable us to live for him every day. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, friends, lots of people today treat Jesus as something that you add to the other things that you've got going on in your life, right? You have your work, you have your social life, you have your family, you have your hobbies, and then on Sunday morning, you have a little space left for Jesus. That's how a lot of people think. It's really common. It's even common in churches. And when you do that, effectively what you're saying is, well, you're confining Jesus to a little box, aren't you? You're saying to Jesus, you can have this much of my life. You can have this little segment. Now, don't go creeping into my career. That's that's separate from you, Jesus. Don't tell me how I should live my social life. Stay well away from my money, Jesus. And as long as you stay in your little box, we're going to be just fine. That, That tends to be how we often naturally think of Jesus. We put him in this little segment of our lives and separate him from the rest of our lives. It's common. There's a little bit of that in all of us. And it was no different in Jesus' day. And so in chapter 9 of this account of Jesus' life, Luke records for us three instances of people who wanted to add Jesus alongside a whole lot of other competing priorities. Now, there's these three encounters that Jesus had. They probably didn't all happen one after the other like they're recorded here. Luke's probably grouped them together because he wants us to show us that following Jesus is uncomfortable. Now, have a look, Luke chapter 9. In the first encounter, Jesus shows us that following him means not belonging in this world. A man approaches Jesus and presumably with good intention says to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And this man is responding to Jesus exactly the way that we should respond to Jesus. He is deciding to become a disciple, to be a follower. But Jesus' response is really strange. Because you would think that Jesus would say, Great, well done, yes, be my disciple. Here's your membership card, let me put you on the roster. But no, he doesn't say that. He says, Foxes have dens and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. The man says, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, if you follow me, you'll have nowhere to go. Because following me means homelessness, essentially. Jesus is saying, even animals have a place to feel at home in this world. But not Jesus. Because Jesus is despised. Jesus is rejected. Jesus came into that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Jesus was not at home in this world. And so if you want to follow Jesus, well, you better be prepared to be just like him. An outcast. Following Jesus means not belonging in this world. It's uncomfortable. That's the first encounter that we have in Luke 9. The second encounter, Jesus shows us that following him 
means having uncomfortable priorities. Because when Jesus asks someone else to follow him, the man replies, first, let me go bury my father. (coughs) And what does Jesus say? Let the dead bury their own dead. Is that cold or what? This is Jesus, the kind and loving one, right? This is Jesus, meek and mild. What's going on here? Surely, that's not an unreasonable request, is it? But what is going on here? Well, before we get the wrong idea, it's worth pointing out that it is very unlikely that this man's father is lying dead at home. When he's saying, let me go bury my father, he's not saying, because there's a corpse in my lounge room. If that was the case, you'd have to wonder, what is this man doing listening to Jesus teach? Shouldn't he be at home grieving with his family? It's probably not that his father is dead and just lying at home. There's two more likely explanations. Either this man's father is old, still alive, but old, and this man is asking Jesus, let me nurse him until he dies and then I will follow you. Or the other option is that this man... His father is already dead. He's already buried. And this man is asking for permission to have the, the 12 months of ceremonial grieving that was typically accompanied the death of a father in Jewish society. So there's two options there. We don't know which one it is. But either, either way, it's still a tough call by Jesus, isn't it? It's still a tough response. And Jesus is saying that following him is more important than even the most important family duty. He's saying that unless we give ourselves to him completely, we don't belong to him. Which means following him is going to require making uncomfortable priorities. It's going to mean saying no to things that you want to say yes to. Following Jesus is uncomfortable. We see it again in our third encounter. This time Jesus asks someone else to follow him, to which he receives the classic, yes, but. And if you're a parent, you know that response, don't you? Yes, but. Yes, but is the response you get from a child when you ask them to do a chore. Clean your room. I will, but. And what they really mean is, I have no intention of ever cleaning my room ever again. That's what that means. Jesus says, follow me. The man replies, yes, but. I will follow you, Lord, but first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. What he really means is, my family is more important than following you, Jesus. And so as far as Jesus is concerned, he may as well have said no. Because following Jesus requires our absolute devotion. Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. If something else is a priority, then you are not serving Jesus. Now, you've got to hand it to Jesus, don't you? He doesn't hide the hard bits, does he? If you've booked a plane ticket recently, you know what it's like to be surprised with hidden costs. There's the booking fee and the baggage fee and the seat selection fee. Not so with Jesus. Jesus lays all the costs out on the table. Follow me, Jesus says, and life will be uncomfortable. Follow me and you'll feel like you don't belong in this world. Follow me and you'll have to leave good things behind. 
Follow me and you will suffer. Follow me and people will hate you. Follow me and you will lose your life. You see, friends, the thing about Christianity, the thing about following Jesus is that it is by definition uncomfortable. It's not supposed to be comfortable. Jesus says again and again and again that following him will be costly. And so if you're living a comfortable Christian life, it may be that Jesus decided to make an exception for you. It may be that Jesus is saying, every other disciple in the history of all mankind will suffer on account of me, but not you, Johnny. You're special. You you can just enjoy life and have me. It may be what's happening. But I think what's more likely is that you have given... You haven't given your whole life to Jesus. You're letting him have a segment. You're letting him have one of many priorities. But you are not denying yourself to follow him. Friends, don't miss this. Jesus says following him is uncomfortable. And so if your life is comfortable, or you're spending your life trying to be comfortable, you're on the wrong path. Wide is the gate and easy the road that leads to destruction. That's the comfortable life. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Friends, we can't miss this. Jesus says it will be uncomfortable. We should expect it to be uncomfortable. And in fact, if it isn't uncomfortable, we need to be asking ourselves some hard questions. I've got some hard questions for you, actually. You can see them on the back of your outline. These are some diagnostic questions to to try and work out whether comfort is actually a greater goal for you than Jesus. You can think about your physical comfort first. Do you ever find yourself questioning God or blaming God for not giving you the sort of lifestyle that you want? Do you believe that it is God's will for you to enjoy wealth and physical comfort? Or thinking about it slightly differently, if someone challenged you to be radically generous with your money, would that make you feel defensive or anxious or bitter? Friends, if, if this is you, then your response to Jesus' invitation to discipleship is a yes, but. You see what you're saying there? You're saying, I will follow you, Jesus, as long as I'm also comfortable. And we need to ask God to help us surrender our desires for comfort to him. But make no mistake, following Jesus doesn't just affect our physical comfort. It's bigger than that. Jesus also calls us to give up our relational comfort. So there's some more questions. Ask yourself, do you ever find the demands of your family... Sorry. Do you ever find the demands of your family stifling your relationship with Jesus... Or limiting your ability to gather with other Christians? Do you find yourself prioritising family over following Jesus? If your spouse stopped believing, would you keep coming to church? Or if your kids or your grandkids told you they wanted to be missionaries in a dangerous part of the world, would you try to change your mind? could be a sign that you're actually prioritising comfortable relationships over Jesus. 
And finally, some questions to think about your spiritual comfort. Because this is not just a physical thing. It's not just a home, family, life, friendship thing. It's a thing that affects even how we relate to our church. Have you thought about changing churches? Or are you changing churches because your church doesn't meet your preferences? Is, your, is a comfortable worship experience more important to you? Do you allow other Christians to question you or challenge you or rebuke you for sin? Or put it the other way, can you remember the last time that you had a difficult truth in love conversation with another Christian? There's much more that you could add to that list, isn't it? When was the last time that you shared your faith with someone? Why is it that you don't want to join a growth group? I don't want to guilt you into things, but it's it's worth thinking about. Are there other priorities in your life? Are there other things that are more important to you than Jesus? Because, friends, Jesus doesn't want you to have an easy life. Jesus' plan for you isn't to maximise your pleasure and minimise your pain. The life he calls us all to is uncomfortable. Plain and simple, it's uncomfortable. It will include self-denial, not doing things that you used to enjoy. It will include saying goodbye to good things. It will include saying no to people that you want to say yes to, that you want to please. It will include opening yourself up to criticism and mockery, even mistreatment. It will include watching others eating and drinking and enjoying self-indulgent lives while you are struggling It will include frequent moments where you start to wonder if it's worth it. There will be times when you're tempted just to give up on following Jesus. You'll think it's not worth it, it's too hard. There'll be times where you'll think to yourself, wouldn't it be better if I just gave up on Jesus and started doing whatever I want? Wouldn't that be good? You'll be tempted by the comfortable life. It looks good, it looks satisfying, but friends, hear me this morning. Jesus is better. Because Jesus says to you, lose your life and you will find real life. Deny yourself, take up your cross and you will be raised to new life. Walk the uncomfortable life of following Jesus now and in the end it will all be worth it because you will gain Christ. You will get him. You'll get to enjoy him forever. And friends, that is what it will truly satisfy. The goal of life isn't to have the biggest house or the nicest car or the best job or the biggest investment portfolio or the highest achieving kids or the best family or the most interesting adventures or the most friends or anything like that. You could have all of those things, every single one of those things and more. You could have the whole world, says Jesus, and you would have nothing because you've missed the whole point of living. You weren't created to enjoy 80 years of cheap pleasure. You were created for so much more than that. You are more valuable than that. Your life is more important than that. You were created to enjoy the God who made you who delights in you. The God, the same God who flung galaxies into space with a word 
The God who is making your heart beat as we speak. That God loves you and he wants you to enjoy him. He makes good things. You can trust him. You were made to live forever. You were made to live with a God who loves you more than anyone else. Friends, you were made for more. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for cheap pleasure on this earth. Be like Paul who says this in Philippians. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss. Everything. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Friends, any other thing you could live for, any other priority, any other pleasure, any other thing which strives for your time and your treasure and your talent, every other thing is garbage compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as your Lord. So friends, you don't need to go out and chase an uncomfortable life. The point here isn't make sure you suffer. Pursue Christ and you will suffer. Pursue Christ and it will be uncomfortable, but pursue Christ and you will gain Christ. Make him your goal. Make him your priority. Pursue him and it will be hard for a little while, but in the end you will gain Christ. Friends, that is satisfying. Let me pray. Now, Lord God, it's easy for us to say, but it's so hard for us to do. So, Lord, would you help us to see the earthly pleasures of this life for what they are, temporary and fleeting and ultimately unsatisfying. Lord, you have blessed us with so many comforts, So many things that we enjoy and we do thank you for them. But Lord, would you help us to be be ready to drop them all for the sake of following you? Lord, help us to be honest with ourselves. Help us to see today whether a comfort is something that we are pursuing above you. Help us to know whether it's physical comfort or relational comfort or even a spiritual comfort that affects how we behave as your people. Lord, show us our sinful idolatry of comfort. Help us to put that to death. Help us to know that that is forgiven by Jesus. And help us to see that Jesus is better. Lord, would you transform our hearts so that we may treasure him above all else. We ask this for our good and for your glory. Amen.